Hey guys, I'm here today with Hakeem Noah, a massage therapist, manager of a yoga studio, and he's been involved in plant medicine, specifically ayahuasca, for eight years. The psychedelic club at my school actually brought him in as a guest speaker, and I knew I needed him to come and educate my audience as well. So welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, it's great to be with you. So tell us your background and what got you interested in trying ayahuasca? Well, um, I guess I, it's, I wouldn't use the word trying because um, it, was a, it was a really, um, it was a process that I didn't initiate myself. I would think of trying as something that, um, you know, I kind of come, would come out of my own will, but it was a process that unfolded um, what I would say through divine timing and, and just kind of through the calling of the plants as well. Um, so I guess I, you know, I told this story when I, when I met you at the talk I gave as well, but I can tell it again, which is that, um, I was traveling in Central America and, um, I was on a gap year. I was probably 19 or 18 and I was in, uh, an intentional community and I was meeting some people that were coming from Costa Rica. I was in Nicaragua at the time. There were people that were coming to the community that had just been at some ayahuasca communities, like um, other intentional communities where they consecrated ayahuasca and did ceremonies with ayahuasca. And they would come and tell me about these um, experiences or about these communities and, you know, that it was a place that you could go. And I felt something about it, but I wasn't, um, I didn't, I didn't quite feel ready. I was a little nervous. There were a few different things that didn't quite feel right. Um, I also didn't really like the, at the time I was pretty like, you know, skeptical and anti-religion and anti a lot of things and had a lot of opinions. Um, and so I was, and I would just say pretty judgmental as well. So I was, I was not really so into the idea of a bunch of white people drinking ayahuasca together in the jungle in a foreign country, um, which still to this day, there are aspects of that that are problematic to me. Um, but it really depends on where and the, and the intention and the community and everything that's going into it. So at the time, it didn't quite feel right. Um, and I came home from my gap year. And I think at one point I was talking to my mom and I said, um, you know, I met these people. There was something about them that was really um, interesting. It was like a light in their eyes, you know, it's kind of like, they were, they were a lot more open-hearted and a lot more um, welcoming and kind of real than a lot of the other people that I had been meeting down there, most of which were just interested in, in drinking. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was mentioning this to my mom and I was like, you know, I've, I've been hearing about this thing called ayahuasca. It really sounds interesting. I had experimented with psychedelics when I was a teenager, but I was um, really kind of coming into my own, I was having a spiritual awakening, really moving away from the use of drugs and alcohol, um, looking more to like treat my body in a sacred way, um, take care of myself differently. And so this was, this felt different and I was curious about it. And I was talking about it with my mom and she was like, Oh, you know, don't Doran and Mashubi, these two people that I've known my whole life, they do something with ayahuasca. And I was like, what? Okay. That's weird here in the U S she's like, yeah, I think so. So I kind of forgot about it. And then I went to college, um, and I think a year later, I ended up, um, these, these are people that I've known my whole life that were part of another, like my parents' spiritual community. And I think 
Meshubi, while I was in college, received a hymn for me, which I didn't know what that meant at the time. She sent me an email and she was like, I think it probably said, I've received a hymn for you. Here it is. It was a recording of this song or this hymn um, in, the, in, the, in her tradition, the Santa Daimi. And I had no idea what it was. I thought she had just kind of like written a song for me. And I thought it was really sweet. And I felt something about it, yeah. and I to it multiple times. And um, then I think probably forgot about it again. Um, and it's called the hummingbird. And, it, and so then another year passed or so, and I was home visiting for the holidays and, um, Shubi reached out to me. This is the person who received this hymn and she had no intention of talking about this at all with me. She just kind of had, she had guidance from, she's very connected to her spiritual guides and her, um, her spiritual life. And, and so she had guidance that she needed to reach out to me. She didn't know why. She was like, well, he's not going to want to talk to me. You know, I haven't seen him in 15 years. Like the last time I saw him, he was a kid. But she reached out anyway, um, just to see if I wanted to come over and have tea. And I went over there and I remembered what my mom had said. And I immediately asked her, hey, my mom said you do something with ayahuasca. I've been really interested in this. Like, can you tell me more about it? And she explained something. I'm sure she said, you know, yeah, like, what? this is what I do. I have no idea what she said. I can't remember. I just knew that what I can remember about the conversation was the whole time she was talking, I was like, I'm going to do, I want to do this. I just felt it. It was so clear. Whatever this is, I need to be a part of it. I had no idea what it was. And I was, um, while I, when I had encountered this, this possibility in Central America, I was um, scared. And this time I didn't feel any fear. I just felt, I felt a little maybe nervousness just because it was like unknown, but it just felt totally right. So I immediately asked her, like, can I come? Can I join you? And she was like, well, yeah, I got, yeah, you can. Um, and later on, she would tell me that in that moment, she felt very protective of me. She was like, oh, no, not a little, you know, she'd known me for, for my whole life. So she was like, she was worried. She didn't want me to have to suffer because, you know, the work does involve some suffering. It's, it's hard sometimes. So she was very much in that. She wasn't we don't invite people in, in the Santa Daime and in our path, we don't like um, recruit or invite people to join us. It's really, um, you know, we're not, it's not a secret. We don't hide, but we don't um, evangelize. So that's a very important tenet of, of our tradition. So to make a long story short, I, I ended up um, joining and, and going and uh, the first um, ceremony, we call the ceremonies in our tradition works. It's um, actually comes from the word trabalho because everything in the Santa Daime is in Portuguese because it's from Brazil where they speak Brazilian Portuguese. And so these are spiritual works because they are hard work. They are um, works for ourselves um, and also for the planet, for planetary healing, for collective healing, and also for our own healing. So we call them spiritual works. Um, and in the first work I attended, I didn't feel anything. I drank the Daime and was completely look I was looking around kind of like what is going on here like what are we doing why am I even here this is really weird all these judgments and things coming up in my head oh what's with all these prayers and I was I'm Jewish why are they praying about Jesus and oh, I'm not doing any of that and blah, blah 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 all this judgment running through my head and not feeling anything um but I ended up I still felt that kind of deep calling that I felt immediately when I was speaking to Shubi and didn't know why but I um, kept going back and began to have a lot more of my own experience of what it was. And um, 
everything went from there and I've been doing it for eight years now. That's very cool. What a story. So yeah. explain what is ayahuasca to the people who don't know and like how crazy it is that the vine and the leaf grow so far apart. So this was actually something I wasn't quite sure what you mean. What have you heard about this, that the, the vine and the leaf grow so far apart? I heard that. So the whole craziness of how the people found that the vine and the leaf together make this ayahuasca. But how did they figure it out when they go in like two different ecosystems? Mm. That's what I saw on a documentary. And I was like, that is really cool. Like, how do they know this vine and this leaf? Mm. Or leaf? I've never done ayahuasca. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I well, saw. I mean, first, I'll just kind of explain what you're, you're mentioning, these two plants. There's a vine and a leaf. Um, the vine is called, in, there's a lot of different names for all of these plants because um, they grow in a lot of different places with different languages. Um, the Latin name for the vine is Banisteriopis capai. Um, I'm forgetting the Latin name for the, the, um, the leaf, but it's called chacruna in our tradition. Um, that's one of the names it's called. We also call it the hyena um, or the queen leaf, basically. Um, and so there's these two, two plants, like you're saying, they, they um, when boiled together, create um, the, basically the leaf, the chacruna leaf has, contains DMT, um, but it's DMT in a form that we can't digest and it can't pass the blood-brain barrier because there are... Um, there are uh, enzymes in our digestive tract that break it down before it gets there. So the, the vine has something called an AOI inhibitor, inhibitor um, which I used to know the full word for that. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, which inhibits the, the enzyme, stops the enzyme from acting to break down that uh, DMT. So then it's able to pass into the brain and we can actually have an experience from that chemical. So those, that's the kind of science, some of the scientific background. Um, but the question you're raising is basically one of the universal mysteries, right? Of how, I mean, this, this is um, the wisdom of indigenous knowledge. And it's also the way that the plant kingdom interacts and communicates with humans. So asking how it was that they, you know, figured this out is a, it's a mystery. Um, my guess is that the plants told them. I believe it. And that's, that's been, um, you know, the, that's, that's a, the story with many different kinds of medicine, not just with ayahuasca, but, um, you know, the use of all kinds of different plants for medicinal purposes. There's a way that the the, someone who's listening, a medicine person, a shaman or a healer, or, you know, anyone who's in touch with the earth can be listening to what these plants are saying, and they might be able to guide that person towards understanding what their, their use is, um, how they can help humans. And again, they're not just for helping humans, they have their, they're just part of the earth, but there's so many amazing plants that have applications that can really help us. And, um, so ayahuasca has been used for a very long time, an unknown amount of time, but for a very, very long time, probably thousands of years, um, as a sacrament, as a sacred plant, as a medicine. 
And it's important to know that um, in traditionally it wasn't um, used as like this kind of medicine that it's never really meant to be a panacea. It's not like the one medicine that's used that the whole tribe that like all the time is, is consecrating. There are groups that do that. It really depends on the culture. And, um, but in general, it, for a long time, it was used as one of many medicines that a shaman might utilize to um, support someone who was in need. Um, most of the time to treat the spiritual illness underlying the physical illness. And oftentimes the shaman would actually consecrate, drink the ayahuasca themselves and maybe not even give it to the patient. But again, it really depends on the, um, on the, where you're, where this is happening and what period of time. And, um, it's not universal. So. So you would say that ayahuasca is used for like healing your spirit more than your physical self, like spirit first and then physical. Um, well, I would say that all all plant medicines are I, I think meant well i don't know i can't say all um i i believe that all illness is is primarily spiritual it starts with the um the spiritual level because that's what's underlying all of reality so there's no such thing as like just the physical or just the spiritual um everything is made of energy we know that scientifically and if you believe that then you know there's a there's a um, very clear way that that is underlying all of our, all disease. So um, yes, I would say ayahuasca primarily um, is something that can help heal the, the underlying spiritual cause of a disease, which then also can have implications and um, can help to heal a physical illness as well. Yeah. So I know you said in your first experience with, you know, you didn't really get much out of it. But for your other experiences, what have you gotten out of it, if you want to share that? And how different was those experiences? What have I gotten out of it? Well, I would say it's made me who I am, primarily. Um, it's been a huge part of, of becoming more myself. Um, and I, I would really... I want to be clear that for me, it's not just about ayahuasca. Again, I'm going to, I mostly am going to use the word Santo Daimi because um, in my tradition, we call it the Daimi or the Santo Daimi. Daimi means give me. So it's like a holy asking. Santo is holy. Santo Daimi means the holy asking. It doesn't make a lot of sense in English, but it's an active process. It's a relationship that one has with this plant. So I'm, I, I pretty much never will use the word ayahuasca on my own because Ayahuasca is actually kind of something else. It's the same plants. It might contain a few other plants. Sometimes ayahuasca has um, purgatives such as tobacco or other plants that might have other medicinal properties. Um, but with the daimi, with the santa daimi, it's really, it's just those two plants, the, the leaf and the vine. Um, so Yes. What have I gotten out of it? it? Again, it's really made me who I am. And it's not really about the daimi itself, the drinking of the daimi, this plant. Um, it's a teacher. It's a friend um, that I have a relationship with. But the more that I learned about it and the more time I've spent on this journey, the more that I've really felt that it's not um, the healing that takes place is facilitated by the daimi, but it's really happening um, because of my own soul's journey 
and my own spiritual development, which is like really is aided by this, um, by this plant, which I consider a friend, but it's not like the, it's not, I don't go to the daimi just to get high. For example, I actually very much do not do that. That's the opposite of what's happening. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it definitely does. So I know that psilocybin mushrooms expand your mind a lot. How would you, would you be able to compare, uh, psilocybin mushrooms to ayahuasca and like how it, how different it is with the thought process or if it's similar? You can't really compare these things. Um, yeah, again, it's, it's really, um, I, I caution you to like hold it in the, in that context of like what it's like on a physical level, because it really doesn't, um, begin there. It begins with the, um, the sacred relationship of the human and the divine, um, through these plants, in my experience there, these plants are just like all things on earth are manifestations of divine energy. Um, and like we are as well. So it's a way to like, we use the word sacrament because sacrament means to make sacred, to make holy. So, um, it's something that we take, you take into your body, whether it's, and, and again, I'm, I'm, you know, it's possible to not do this and to use it more like a drug. And I highly do not recommend that because for me, that's not the purpose of what these plants are here to do. Um, but when you're doing it in the context of what I'm talking about, it's, um, you take, it's, you're taking a substance, a plant into your body, you're imbibing it and it's becoming one with you. And so then this, some of these plants, ayahuasca, psilocybin, and several others have a capacity to bring our consciousness to a different place and to help us enter into the world that they live in. And that in my experience, all of the earth is in more of a consciousness of oneness where, um, where I would like to be and that where I think humanity needs to learn how to be. So that's why I have a relationship with these plants is they help me learn how to embody and experience that, um, consciousness of oneness. Um, so I guess comparing ayahuasca and psilocybin would be like comparing my friends, you know, like I have two, <laughs> I have two different friends. Amazing and beautiful, and I love them. And they each have their own sacred purpose on earth. And I would never, um, I guess, compare them on a scale, you know. Got it. So, from your experiences, what do you think are some of the negative sides of ayahuasca, and what are some of the positives? Uh, there aren't any negative sides. Um, what they're and not in the, I think in the way that you're asking the question, um, like if you were thinking about a drug, for example, you might have positive side effects and negative side effects. Um, but again, that's not how this works um, because it's not a drug. Uh, if one were to use any of these substances in the context of a drug that someone would want to just kind of like have an experience or uh, recreate, uh, certainly I would say that in and of itself is a negative thing. Um, and they might have a negative experience um, because of that. So in the context that I'm speaking about, again, of holding these plants in a sacred context where you're having a relationship with them, there are no negative side effects. There is only um, healing, learning, and growth. 
which can sometimes be painful and difficult. It is not all um, flowers and roses and rainbows. It is very hard spiritual work. Like that's why we call it a, a spiritual work. Um, doing the inner work of healing yourself and growing and going into the places of your consciousness that are really hard to see that you'd rather not look at can be really hard. And this, this is what these plants help do is they, they help us go to those places, see our consciousness from a different perspective, see the world from a different perspective, um, show us parts of ourselves that we wouldn't otherwise be willing to look at and basically grow and develop as a human being and as a, a spiritual being. So um, <laughs> I guess those are all positive things, I think. Um, and yeah, there are definitely experiences that can be challenging and can challenge you to, um, you know, can, can put you in a place where you might not otherwise have put yourself willingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for like the negatives, for example, I, I, it was definitely based on perspective because for some, I know that purging could possibly happen. And for some people, purging would not be a good thing. But I know for you, you said purging felt very good for you, right? Yeah. So um, purging for is what you're speaking of. It like, you know, just for people who don't know that term, we call um, sometimes one of the things that can happen, you know, in a, in a Daimi work or in a work with ayahuasca is um, throwing up, which we call purging or getting well. We call getting well. Which getting I like. well. That's a better term. <laughs> yeah, not getting sick, you're getting well. Because and it's really it is like this because um, whatever's coming out is whatever you didn't want in. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a physical, um, it's not just a physical process. It's very much an energetic and a spiritual process of healing. So the body does this whenever we need to heal. It does when we're when we have an infection, our body creates a fever to burn it out to expel it. Right? We might throw up if we ingest something that is not that we don't want in our body. Our body will get it out, and it does the same thing with um, spiritual maladies. You know, any kind of um, negative energy or um, trauma or experience or whatever it is that we might have taken into our body that might be we might be holding there. Um, the, 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 the daimi or ayahuasca can help to expunge that or purge it. And sometimes that's needed. So in my experience, um, I was terrified of, of purging for the first year. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's, I do not want to do that. You know, for, for most of us, we don't throw up very often in our life. It's a scary feeling and a scary thing. We don't like it at all. A lot of people have a fear of it. Um, so for a long time, I was really worried about that. And I had similar questions to you like, oh no, like, is this going to happen to me? What's, what's that like, you know? Um, but again, I was called to be there. So I, I was there and it just never happened to me for the first year. Cause I didn't want to, I was like kind of tight closed up. I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm scared. And the daimi respected that for me. That was my experience. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that everyone's going to have the same experience. Some people never throw up. Some people never purge. Other people purge every time. Um, it really depends on who you are and what you need. And it's not a good thing or a bad thing if you do or don't. Um, my experience is sometimes I purge to help the whole, to help the current and help the group. Because that's like one of the capacities that I have of helping. It's like cleaning. Um, so 
yeah, in my experience, it was, it just didn't happen for a whole year. And then I think at one point I was like, you know, I, I think I might be open to that. And then I had some experiences where that happened and I was like, oh, wow, it actually feels a lot better to throw up instead of sitting here feeling sick for a couple hours, you know, like if you're feeling nauseous, you know, it's much better just to trust and surrender and let it out. Um, and that's, it's such a good cleaning and such a good um, feeling. I've come to really appreciate even during, and, you know, even though it can be intense, it's like, wow, thank you. Get this out of me. Just whatever it is. I don't need this. So how important is your mindset before, you know, getting into it? Because I know with some things, like if you have a bad mindset, you know, you could, you know, stay in a really bad place the whole time. Is ayahuasca, you know, I mean, I know it's different for every person, but um, does it trap you in like one state of mind for a while? If it's bad? Well, you're right. It is different for every person. It's different every time. It's very important to remember this. It's never the same. I've never had two works that are the same. I've never even had two cups of dimey that are the same. Taste um, different too? What was that? Does it taste different too? No, I mean, it, it's, it, it, there's different dimeys that, you know, like we might have a few different kinds of dimey during one work. For example, we might have a more concentrated um, sacrament or a less concentrated sacrament. Um, so, uh, remind me, what was your original question you're asking? Oh, did, if you're stuck in a mindset, like in a bad mindset, like, would you yeah. stuck like that? Again, it's, it's really different every time. And, and yes, mindset does matter, but mindset matters with everything. Like what's your mindset when you brush your teeth this morning? Yeah. You know, like, um, so for me, it's really more about it's, it's, it is very important to come to every work with an open mind full, like in, in, uh, there's a, a piece of, of writing that, that comes from the founder of the Daimi that's read sometimes in the works, um, that talks about how everyone should come to the work with an open mind, um, basically ready to receive. And that's definitely my experience that it's better not to have expectations, but again, this is all true for all of life. Um, and my experience with the Daimi is that these ceremonies are just like the rest of my life. They are, they might be more concentrated, kind of more intensified versions of life where everything becomes a lot more clear, a lot more um, each action and thought even can become a lot more important and clear. But the teaching is that that's always the case that all through our lives, no matter what we're doing, we're always, everything we do matters. Everything we're thinking and feeling matters and affects the whole. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the mindset absolutely matters, but I also don't think of it as separate from the rest of my life. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to try or wants to experience it for the first time and they're scared? Well, that's a good question. Um, I would say if you're feeling called, first of all, it has to be a calling. It's, it's a, it has to be more than just a curiosity. Um, I try not to be too curious about anything curious from the sense of like the ego mind mm -hmm. that just kind of wants to know and have an experience. Um, so you have to know whether that's what's happening. If you're just kind of like peripherally interested from an intellectual or ego standpoint of like, huh, I want to try this or I want to see what that's like um, to have an experience, I wouldn't recommend it. 
Um, if you're feeling called and you're, you're having an experience kind of like the one that I described, where it's just like something about it feels really, feels right. And you don't really know, you don't need to know why maybe you do know, maybe there's, maybe, you know, it's different for everyone. You might have a specific healing issue in your life that you really want healing for. There are kind of like three ways that I think people come to the daimi or to healing paths of any kind. Um, sometimes they come because they get very sick and they don't have a choice. So that there are people in the daimi who, who arrived in the daimi because they had a severe form of cancer or something. Um, one person that, that is close to our lineage um, received a diagnosis of, of pancreatic cancer. And he was a very spiritual person who had, he was a medical doctor actually, and, and also a very spiritual person. And he received guidance that if he, um, like he felt from his inner guides that if he were to go receive chemotherapy, he would probably die or he could go to the daimi and receive his healing. And he really did not want to go. He was not like, this is what I want to do. Drink this, whatever. No, he was very much like, ah, that's not interesting. Yeah. I'm terrified, mm -hmm. but he felt called. So he went. And so this experience of, and actually he was, he was healed of his cancer over a series of six very powerful healing works. Oh my gosh that kind of thing can happen. Um, but again, it's really dependent on each person and what their journey is and what they need. Um, so there's, there's, again, there's these three ways you can come because you're, you're very sick, you need healing. So you might have no other choice. Um, some people come because they're interested kind of from, maybe it's not from the full on calling way. Maybe they feel really um, like they've been looking for something and, and they're really interested in what this is and they're not sure. And they have a little bit of curiosity. Some people arrive that way and that's okay too. What if it's right for them? Um, and then there's a, a third way, which is that someone might just be called and they don't really know why, and they might not even want to go. They might not really, they might hear about it and feel something about it or hear the hymns, for example, and feel called by the music, but really not want to drink the daimi itself, not be interested in the sacrament. So that's what I would say. There's kind of those one. The, the, the second one is, is really that they're interested in the, the ayahuasca, they're interested in the sacrament itself, and they really want to experience that, um, and then they come. So that's, what, that's my recommendation for people, is that you really have to be called. You have to feel in yourself what, what is, where is the calling coming from, and be really honest about that. And if it feels right, then you'll know. And also to really trust the plant, because the daimi or the ayahuasca will call to you and if you're meant to experience it if you're meant to have a relationship with it you will and you have to trust that and not go seeking or forcing anything from your personal sense of will but rather really asking and saying okay if i'm meant to do this like please show me where i can meet you where can i have this experience um and you might have to wait a long time there are there are forums online, like where lots of people are asking of us, for example, people in the daimi, like, where can please come? Like, I need, I need help. Show me where I can come meet this. Like, can I come to work? And oftentimes people have to wait a long time, but they're always guided to it. Like it, it's, it happens naturally and organically. Um, since again, we don't invite, we don't go like looking online for like all the people who want to try this come here for us. You know, we don't do that. So a lot of times we might even say you know if you're feeling called good you have to wait and see and you'll meet someone one day who you know will organically bring you 
to where you're meant to be. I'm curious, I'm just shooting this question out there, but have you heard of anything else being like helped or treated by ayahuasca? Because you, you said the cancer once, so I was just curious. There's anything else you've heard? I think there's a lot of examples. I mean, there's there's old stories in the daimi um, of different people who received all kinds of different different healings. But again, mostly it's the healing happens because of their own soul's journey and the own, their own um, where they are in their life and what's needed for them. It's really not, I don't believe that it's like, it's really not a panacea. It's not like, you know, if you have X, Y, or Z ailment, come try this thing that will help you. Um, it really depends on what you're meant to experience. I like that. So where should people go for a ceremony? Well, I, again, I'll refer back to what I said to the last question, which is that you, you may need to wait. You, you, it's best to really feel called and feel guidance um, and pray and ask this plant and your relationship with the plant, or if you have your own spiritual path, your relationship with divine by whatever name or words you use to call it. Um, I can't really say where people should go because that's not, uh, kind of what we do and it's not what I feel is right to you know kind of send people to specific places um, you really have to feel you know if you're doing research and you're looking around feel the vibration and the energy that's coming from each of these places and try to sense if it really feels aligned for you because there are a lot of places that I wouldn't recommend there's a lot of places where money's involved um, where the ceremony isn't held properly or isn't held within a sacred consciousness and I really do not recommend those, those places. So you really, you can feel like if, if you're in that place of really listening, then you'll, you'll definitely feel and in, in, you'll get a sense when you're looking at each of these options, like, you know, what feels right. See, so what do you do now with ayahuasca? Um, what do you mean? So I heard you, I say you were a part of a church or... You yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, the daimi, like I've been saying, Santo Daimi is the path that I follow, which is a it's a syncretic spiritual tradition that comes from Brazil, um, and that eventually started in the 1930s and eventually spread throughout the world. Um, it's there are groups or what you know sometimes we call them churches, although it's not really a quite direct translation. Um, the word in Portuguese is céu, which means um, heaven or sky. It really literally means sky. So it's kind of like a poetic way of saying um, a group of people who are practicing this. So in English, we sometimes we just call it a church because it's easier. Um, so I'm part of a, a small church here in Massachusetts, and um, I've been to different churches all over the United States, all over Brazil. Um, there are groups in a lot of different countries, Japan, um, the Netherlands, Italy, Spain, Portugal, all through Europe. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of different um, groups that, that have expanded over time. It, eventually in the 1980s and 70s and 80s, it started to, well, actually, I think more in the 80s and 90s, it started to expand beyond the borders of Brazil. Very cool. So thank you so much for taking the time to answer all of my questions yeah of course so please tell everyone where they can find you on social media get in contact with you um 
That's a great question. I'm going to refer people to, so uh, for me in my own work right now, I've, um, you know, I've been involved with this, this spiritual path for a long time, but I've only recently started to have a relationship with um, the sacred mushrooms that are also called psilocybin. And um, I've started just, it's very, very slow development for me of, of listening and, and um, they're kind of teaching me even without um, taking them. That's not, it's not like I'm um, involved in taking them a lot, but it's, you know, when it, when I, I've had experiences where they've started to kind of speak to me. And um, so I'm remaining open and listening and I've been calling, uh, I have an Instagram where I'm putting some of those thoughts and teachings that these plants have been teaching me. Um, and it's called the, it's an Instagram account at little mushroom speaks at little mushroom speaks just one word. Um, and yeah, so you're welcome to follow me there and I'll, I'll be putting uh, little writings and photos and um, teachings that I receive from the plants of power, the power plants, um, along with other things just about love and unity and oneness and spirituality. Um, so yeah, you're welcome to follow me there. And um, the main thing is follow yourself, follow your heart and listen to your own inner guidance around all of these things. Um, but especially when relating to these plants, because they're very sacred and they're here to help us. And they really want everyone to know that um, they're not to be abused and they're not to be thought of as um, recreational or just for fun, but that um, it's really a, a, it's a relationship that they're inviting us to participate in. Um, so in that context, I wish you the best of luck in your journey. Yay, yes. Thank you for educating me and my audience. I'm sure everyone's gonna appreciate it so much. And I also very appreciate it. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.